Hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 of EV Brief, your weekly news brief on electric vehicles, sustainable transport and renewable energy from Australia and around the world. I'm your host, Jonathan McFeet, and on this week's show, EV Brief is in conversation with Greg McGarvey, the Managing Director of Australian EV startup, ACV. Greg is bringing a range of composite-bodied, flat-packed commercial electric vehicles to market in 2021, and we caught up recently via Zoom. Greg, well, I'm uh, here joined by Greg McGarvey, the Managing Director of ACV. Greg, thanks for joining us on EV Brief today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Great. Long to have a bit of a chat. Looking forward to it. Now, look, uh, can you give us a little bit of a history about uh, ACV in Australia? Certainly. Uh, I think the strength of our business is our partners offshore. We've got German and Taiwanese technology partners. And we met them uh, about five years ago. So we've been working on this for uh, going into our fifth year. And we've got out of Germany, uh, Gerhard Kerr, uh, quite skilled. He's very modest. He calls himself a mechanic, but he led the development of the fog-reinforced plastic division for Benz. And now he's probably reputably one of the leading uh, developers of composite production technology. You know, there's been plenty of composites used in racing cars, and it's now starting to be used in uh, electric vehicles as well. And uh, we feel like we've got some of the best people on side there. And then our Taiwanese partner, Dr. Charles Kung, no slouch, he's a nuclear engineer, but he was the chief engineer for the high speed rail that runs the length of Taiwan. And uh, also a leading manager in one of the leading autos in Taiwan that manufactured components for Toyota. So on those two sides, we've got some high quality and uh, real technical expertise. And we were fortunate enough to um, be introduced to them. And here we are today, where uh, next year we'll be setting up our manufacturing facility in, in South Australia um, with a goal by uh, 2025 of a minimum of 24,000 units a year, more likely to be up around 50. Um, and at that stage, assembly pods located around the world that are manufacturing, building up or assembling our smart, smart packs that are sent offshore. That's a huge coup for ACV to have such international talent, uh, isn't it, um, uh, at the sort of early stages of, of the business? Oh, just we're just very lucky to be introduced by the right people, and that's all it was. Yeah. Yeah, they, they obviously see something really worthwhile uh, in, in your product offering, though, and in, in what you can do. Well, we, we lay a lot of the work here in Australia, and yeah. as you're probably aware, we built our first vehicle here, or yeah. assembled our first vehicle here last March in Brisbane. It was just done in a, a normal uh, workshop at the Motor Trades Association of Queensland. Six days. Wow. Uh, we flew, flew in a mechatronics engineer from Germany, and he only spoke German, so we've had to get a local engineer that spoke German and wow. English. Between them, they built the car, drove it out on the seventh day, so it was almost a religious experience. <laughs> and um, they, and I, video, I videoed it on yep. my iPhone, put it on LinkedIn. Now, the next five days had over 21,000 views, so I thought, well, we must be onto something here. Um, and then the next day, it featured sitting beside a Tesla and all the other electric vehicles that are available in Australia that an event called Carmageddon, yep. which was put on by the Motor Trades Association of Queensland. And uh, the science minister, Karen Andrews, sat in the vehicle and said, what a ripper. Isn't it good to see local Australian business doing something like this? 
And uh, now, as you know, the federal government has come on board with a, a grant uh, for the energy management side of the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. We're running that uh, bi-directional trial. Yeah, uh, later we, can, we can come to that a little bit later, um, if that's so, okay. But um, why don't we uh, have a little rundown of your product offerings um, just for our viewers so people have a sense of what uh, ACV is about. Certainly. The main focus for our vehicle is last mile urban delivery. You know, it's not a vehicle that's meant to run between cities. Uh, it's meant to last mile urban delivery and it's small, but not real small. Um, if you wanted to link it to a similar vehicle, it's a similar size to the Kangoo, mm -hmm. um, also a similar size to the uh, Subaru Brumby, mm -hmm. the U. So it's actually a little bit bigger than the Subaru Brumby. So it's a, it's a nifty little vehicle, uh, inexpensive to run. Running costs are less than a third for a fossil fuel vehicle. Um, and of course, it's uh, we've got the three models. We've got the uh, cargo, which is a small van. We have the youth. And then later on, we'll have the second family car, which is an urban. And, yep. um, yeah. and a great beauty about them, they don't steal your oxygen. They don't replace it with toxic. That's, that's it. And I guess, you know, you get a lot of people saying, oh, you know, why is the range of these sorts of vehicles, you know, so low? You know, obviously, you've got to try and explain to people, well, firstly, what are, what are people, what are businesses who are buying these products actually need? You know, and the majority of these businesses, they're doing, you know, short stop-start trips um, in, in the city. Their, their payload is decreasing as they complete their shifts, which often just a morning or an afternoon. And then obviously cost is a factor as well. So it sounds like what you're aiming for around that 200 to 250 kilometre range is absolutely perfect for couriers and sort of all the Amazon deliveries and things that are happening in Australia. Yeah, no, we think it'll match pretty well. We probably should put you on as a salesman. You've got all the right points there. But, uh, <laughs> well, I spent a lot of time having to rebut um, some of the arguments from people. But, um, you know, living... well, look, I, yeah. and, this, and look, the simplest one really is you say, okay, you've got a, pet, a fossil fuel vehicle at home. How often a week do you actually fill it? Yeah. And most yeah. people say, oh, once a week, twice a week. Yes. And, and the reality is... Um, the average punter is only doing about 38 kilometres a day. Right, that's and it. So, that's it. I think 70%, yeah, and, according to the ABS, 70% of commutes in Australia are that 38 kilometres a day, you know? And with the yeah, pandemic, yeah. of course, that's changing uh, even even more. True. And and the thing is that it's treated like a mobile phone. We actually think it's a smartphone on wheels with a big battery. Yes. Uh, you bring it, plug it in, and most days, by the time you've finished your um, evening meal, it'll be full. Yeah. And the great advantage car fills at home. You don't have to go hunting off for a, a fuel station or trying to find one that's cheaper than the others because you always got a set price out of your power point at home. And that's, that's what people, I think, who sort of aren't familiar with EVs don't get. You know, sure, it's, it's quicker to fill up uh, an internal combustion engine, but, you know, you've got to go, oh, have I got fuel? I've got to go to the fuel station. You know, it's 10, 15 minutes sort of minimum to get there. You've got to queue up, pay, go in, get dirty, you know. Whereas this thing, whether it's a business or whether it's at home, it's, you know, it's always ready to go unless someone forgets to, to switch it off. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of, I guess, in terms of the, the ute and the, the cargo, what sort of payload capacity are we looking at? Look, at, at present, the current ones, you're looking at 500 kilo. Right. right. Yeah. And, and then we've got uh, new models coming in, we call the Transformer series. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're a slightly bigger version and they'll have uh, more capability in those areas. But, you know, first thing is to get our Series 3. And this, you probably uh, remember Ernst Tomka and the smart car. 
Well, Gerhardt was involved with that ah, in 2000. Okay. And so that's why our car's got a little bit of that smart car genetics about it. Yes. Ours is, yeah, it's a Series 3. And I guess the thing is with, with an electric drivetrain and batteries, we, we are sort of changing or you are changing the design of, of the vehicle as we know it because you don't need you know these long fronts and complicated um, structures to house these compact electric motors do you no look and the beauty of our vehicle is a turning circle yes it's just phenomenal you're not constrained by a motor in the front of the vehicle and um, it's got a great turning circle great acceleration and the vehicle itself is only a thousand kilo just yes. over a thousand kilo that includes the battery so obviously good efficiency, good power to weight ratio, um, and uh, yeah, obviously good energy consumption with a low rate. Uh, what, what sort of battery are we talking? Can you talk a bit about the energy at, type of things? Sure, at, at the present, the standard battery, and the, probably a new series will have a 40 kilowatt hour battery in it, but the standard battery is a 30 kilowatt hour, and effectively uh, flat, uh, flat normal running conditions between 12 and 14 kilowatts per 100 kilometers. Right. Now, I've got a partner who drives a uh, Lexus and it does 12 litres per 100 kilometres. So you turn that 12 litres into dollars and you can see the difference. And whereas you turn our 12 kilowatts into, into dollars and it's, you know, it's 36 cents a kilowatt hour per metre, so it's $3.60. That's huge. Whereas if you, yeah. That's huge. And then, you know, obviously if you start looking at um, businesses that have warehouses and that sort of thing as the price of solar comes down, it's going to be um, it's going to be make good business sense for people to actually have uh, renewables on their business, charging their vehicles for free. Um, they'll they'll probably realise a much better um, break even point, quicker break even point than than home consumers, right? Yeah, no, dead right. And I mean, as you know, Australia's got one of the highest penetrations of solar anyway. Yes. And with uh, with, with our vehicle to grid trial, it actually has got special technology in there that will balance out the home solar, home storage, whatever exists. Yeah, fantastic. Well, since you bring that up, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? You've just been awarded $5 million from the federal government, which is pretty huge, I think, in the, in the EV manufacturing space because the federal government at the moment hasn't really been known for supporting new technology. So it's great to see that um, you're at the forefront of this. And look, I think I can appreciate the nervousness because most people think we're the auto industry. We're not. Yeah. We're nothing like the industry. Yeah. We're really an energy management solution. And it just happens to have wheels and seats and provide very cheap transport. And our, our vehicle to grid trial is uh, significant because it's a world first. We know that. We've been told by our UK partners and they do a lot of grid advice to Australia, uh, to the Australian networks. And uh, it's effectively AC, bi-directional, and uh, onboard meter and charger. Okay. What that means is the metering is in the, in the vehicle. Yep. So, you know, you, you drive the meter, I drive the vehicle, you know how much uh, it's going to cost you. And the other thing that's very useful for the grid is they know where the energy is moving around the grid because mm -hmm. that has a big impact on uh, transmission mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and the likes. And the beauty of it too is that if, say, a natural disaster, under our um, uh, energy mesh and ecosystem, the vehicle could be called up and you know, a swarm of vehicles could go to where the disaster is and either use the 240-volt uh, plug-in connection or plug-in normally with their um, battery. Right. 
in the households. So there, there are other vehicle-to-grid trials around the world, I think, but um, is, is this the first AC uh, one that's taking place? It's, it's the first AC one with an on-board with an on-board uh, charger. charger. And, yeah, yeah. There are other AC um, trials underway and being developed you know, by some of the bigger bigger vehicle groups. And um, yeah, so the only the unique thing about it is the onboard charger and meter. Mm. We think that that's, that's an amazing opportunity. And the plan is that the vehicle, you know, if I came around to your place and plug the vehicle in before it even does anything, it'll check your circuitry yep. and, and work out um, what load it can take. And let's say you've got your air conditioner running and other things running, well, it'll drop the load down so it's not um, wow. eating up your wire. Wow. And is all that uh, software being designed in Australia? Uh, no, some of it. Yep. Uh, we've got a clever team leading it in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Some of the best software engineers are obviously in this area yeah. aren't in Australia. Yeah. The best. Yeah. And that's the thing, I mean, hopefully, you know, this, the, the opportunities are limitless for all the technology surrounding batteries, energy storage, electric vehicles in this country if we actually start putting money into it now, aren't they? Yeah. Look, in Australia, with this particular vehicle and our solution, Australia could be a global leader. Now, I know because we're being approached by other countries now that want to take our assembly pods and start assembling these vehicles in their countries. Mm. And... Uh, so it's, and we've had to increase the uh, amount of money that we've put up for the factory in South Australia you know, in preparation for that, that growth. So tell us a little bit about the manufacturing um, concept behind uh, your vehicles and, and the future site, uh, or the, sorry, the current site in South Australia. Well, I can't tell you too much. Okay. A lot of it's a lot of it secret group. Of secret group. If, if there's anything you can reveal, uh, yeah, we'd love, we'd love to hear but I, I can reveal, and you've probably seen uh, the video on the website uh, that shows you how the vehicles assemble. Mm. Uh, very clever. It's 100% uh, composite, so effectively um, it's chemically welded, mm -hmm. and it's 14, 14 components. I call them bones instead of uh, a chassis, but mm -hmm. effectively it's what the auto industry calls a chassis. That's two to three times stronger than the equivalent in metal. Mm. Very light, and uh, that skeleton is actually meant to last probably as long as you. Mm. And if you get sick of the appearance of the vehicle, you just change the skins, as long as it doesn't impact the ANCAP rating. So the exciting thing is Australia, with the recent ACT election, we've seen a real shift towards governments and New South Wales as well, wanting to have a sort of carbon neutral um, position. Um, and don't forget South Australia, they've just made a big and, change. And South Australia, and I think the world knows South Australia is a leader in terms of the, the big battery. Um, that's been paying dividends literally down there and also the, uh, the home battery trial. But um, we've had a big change over the weekend as well in the US with Biden being elected and we know that Biden is a champion of new technology and electric vehicles. So I guess what, what are you seeing for your market over the coming years now here and, and globally? Well, I think it's exciting times. A lot of growth and, uh, you know, we have one of our partners in the... Uh, vehicle to grid trials out of California. Mm. And he was campaigning the other day when he found the result, out the result, but uh, all very positive. And, and the, the reality is uh, if your neighbor is going off and on holidays and spending money on other things other than their vehicle, uh, it, it soon uh, comes home to roost that, you know, running an electric vehicle is far cheaper. You know, there's more in the household budget to do other things 
if you run an electric vehicle compared to a fossil fuel vehicle. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, not to mention the emissions as well. You know, uh, I live in <coughs> the middle of Sydney, and uh, you know, diesel buses and diesel delivery vehicles and things. You know, they're disgusting. Heavy particulates. There's thick soot oh. and things that are on the windowsill. Um, we need to start to get rid of that from the transport sector, I think. And um, no, 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 no. You're dead correct. You're right on the ball there. And um, that's one of the reasons a lot of the offshore countries are keen on our vehicle because yes. they bring the vehicle in as a smart pack. Yep. They create local jobs. Uh, they then put it on the road. And most likely, the governments and businesses in there prefer to be buying a vehicle that's locally built rather than importing. Mm. And it also removes the need for them to import uh, fossil fuels. Plus, they clean up the cities. So reduces the health costs of course and reduces the burden on the uh, the budget yeah and i suppose it ultimately <laughs> becomes an energy security thing as well because if they can get on top of how they totally. generate their energy um if they've got yeah. electric vehicles like this then uh, then fuel security is not an issue it is and you know there's one thing they can't turn out and that's the sun that's a nuclear reactor in the sky and if you're using renewable energy right uh, <laughs> yeah, you're home and hose. And I can tell you, one of the countries that's very keen to be assembling our vehicles is totally green. All mm. their electrical energy is green. Mm. The only thing they've got that's not, they import vehicles and import oil to run them. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we've seen some positive signs in the last um, few weeks, even with Australian states doing quite high percentages of renewables during the day. Um, even so, I think I think we're getting there. We've had big commitments from Australian states to move towards renewable energy zones and batteries and things, haven't we? Certainly, yeah, we have. And look, it's really good to see what's happening up in Northwest Australia. You know, where they're, they're going to be generating uh, heaps of electrical energy, maybe plugging in some of the neighbouring countries. Mm. Uh, Australia is in a very, very good position to be a, an exporter of energy, you know, clean energy, and. Um, I think that'll be a premium for the country. Yeah. So I'm guessing you would see, you know, quite a, a big um, demand for jobs in, in your field over the next the next few years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're thinking even just with our manufacturing, there'll be you know, uh, getting close to a thousand jobs once we reach peak product production. Um, and, you know, the, the, the new jobs that are going to be created haven't even been thought of at the moment. And, uh, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, great I mean, opportunity. It's, it's incredible when you when you say a thousand jobs because you know, look, I accept that coal and gas are a big part of our energy mix at the mm -hmm. moment and exports, and they're not going anywhere in the short term. But for the billions and billions and billions of dollars we're giving to Adani and things like that, you know, that's that's thousand jobs kind of thing. You know, so if a small business can create a thousand jobs in a, in a clean sector manufacturing, that's really incredible. You multiply that by yeah, all the other businesses and parts suppliers and things like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and that's true. And it really, it's just like a business. You look at the cost involved in creating jobs, and if there's too much of a subsidy, it's it's a you're going down a blind alley. That's right. But at the same time, I think you know, with any new technology in any country <laughs> over the last you know few centuries, governments have stepped in to um, help implement that and help the transition. I think whether it's electricity yeah. or telephones or things like that, there has yeah. been government-led kind of um, uh, investment. And, that, that, and that's, that's true and that's important. And I mean, the solar industry got to start with subsidies at the start, at, in the early days, but now 
because they're so efficient, no subsidy needed. Yeah, and that, and that's it. A lot of people still don't understand that renewables are now cheaper than uh, than fossil fuels. And um, yeah. what, while the outlay can be quite high for the consumer, you know, the price really is coming down these days. Um, now, you've also been involved in an autonomy um, trial, is that correct? Or you're developing some autonomy? Yeah, autonomous, yeah. Well, we, we got contacted by a Melbourne company, quite a clever company. They deal in what's called visual artificial intelligence. And uh, they've got a fancier name than that for it, but I'm just using, trying to simplify it. Sure. Um, and effectively, uh, what we're aiming for is that the vehicle, um, when you come out into your garage in the morning, we've got another group putting a personality into it. They'll just say, good morning, and recognise you, and uh, say, where do you want to go? <laughs> say, oh, just down to the beach for the day. And it'll open up because it's recognised you it'll unlock, so you don't need a key or any anything else. Yes. And it'll probably use a three-factor recognition, which could be the way you walk, uh, your voice, and, you know, uh, face, face ID. It'll, you know, it'll effectively be... Uh, like the old horse in the old days, the horse recognises you. <laughs> that's my owner, and you can jump on. <laughs> but what the stuff we're talking here—that's that's what Tesla is doing. You know, four hundred yeah, billion dollar yeah. company. So, um, software, yeah. self, software can be the great um, leveler, can't it? In this in this field. Oh, true, true, true. And you know, what we're aiming for is that our vehicle will have what's called a follow follow me mode. Um, and uh, in effect, if you're doing parcel deliveries. Because of the lightness of the vehicle, because there's no uh, exhaust fumes, mm. it could effectively be going through a shopping centre and just dropping, mm. and following mm. the delivery person to each shop and dropping things off, or doing street wow. deliveries, or whatever. Wow, it opens up a whole new range of possibilities, I suppose. Um, I've read a bit about um, UPS uh, in the UPS over the last few years, even with diesel vehicles, has been <coughs> so fixated on data and streamlining the delivery process for drivers and vehicles to, to cut costs. Yeah. And obviously when your fleet is yeah. so big. Um, so, you know, if, if you're doing that with electric vehicles as well, and then adding the autonomous element, um, you can really maximize, I suppose, returns for business with vehicles like this. Totally. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the great thing with our vehicle is that, um, and I've lost my track of thought That's there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we, no, we, we were talking about, um, uh, data collection and um, uh, yeah. using using the data to streamline business. True, true, yeah. and yeah, and, and part of our trial was actually we we're working with GeoTab, and whoever's participating in the trial with their fleet will be insisting that not only will the GeoTab be fitted to our EVs, but it'll be fitted to the equivalent fossil fuel vehicles. Mm -hmm. And so, at the end of the trial, if they say no, we don't want electric vehicles, they'll have all this data about how to use their fossil fuel vehicles more effectively. Oh, fantastic! Uh, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, and this is the thing, obviously, you know, businesses, they've purchased internal combustion fossil fuel vehicles and, you know, they're not just going to flip their whole fleet straight away. They have, you know, they have to phase them out and they have a time frame that they need to get the return on the investment. But what we need to do is make sure that in that two, five, six years, whatever, that they're ready to go and they can see the benefits. And look, the dynamics will change too. Yeah. Typically, I think, uh, Vehicles at the moment may do up to ten years, but they're usually five years. Mm. Uh, electric vehicles, you know, they can they can just go and go and go because mm. there's nothing to wear. Um, yeah, so, and, lots of opportunities, lots of upsides. Yeah, yeah. So I guess as as battery technology is improving rapidly, um, with with your vehicles, 
are they basically able to be upgraded or is it sort of plug and play with the, with the battery design? Well, is that sort yeah. of secret squirrel? No, 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 it's not secret squirrel. It's actually, um, that's the clever thing about a vehicle. It was designed as an EV from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And so effectively, if you want to drop the battery out, you take the protective plate off from underneath the vehicle, the battery drops out. It's about a 10, 15 minute operation. Wow. Uh, but it's not meant for battery swapping. No, of course. But what it means is as the battery technology changes, you just whatever you can fit in that space, you can fit in. And yes. we're already working with groups that are promising us three times the energy density. So effectively, you know, instead of doing, uh, say, 150 kilometres or 200 kilometres an hour cargo, you'll triple it. Mm, wow. And that, that's obviously incredibly simple uh, for your manufacturing process because as soon as the new technology uh, passes safety regulations and what have you, just ship it and plug it in and, and make sure They're the software works and off yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, the vehicle really is just, it's just a, a tool for moving goods around inexpensively. Yes. But it's, um, uh, it's, a, it's an energy management solution, you know, and... Uh, it's got a lot of other things it can do with the data that's collected that can be useful for the grid operators and, and all the other people in the, yeah. in the area. I think, you know, even myself included, vehicle to grid, we still don't really understand how important this could be. Well, I can jump in there. Yeah, yeah, a good example. Yeah, the Hornsdale battery in South yes. Australia. You know, it's paid for itself already. That's right. Someone had, someone had to fund that battery. Yeah. Whereas if it's if government's clever, each person buying a vehicle is effectively funding a battery for the country. Yes. And uh, when you set those vehicles up in the energy mesh, you've got a huge virtual storage right. network. And that can be called on, you know, if there are any problems in the grid. Right, that's it. And also, you know, like people are starting to get familiar with home batteries. Um, but, you know, for $15,000, $20,000, you're getting a 12 kilowatt hour Tesla battery, I think. But people still have a car parked in their driveway. Most Australian homes do. And that's at least twice to three times what those home batteries are. So there's literally untapped potential, isn't there, in, in the car that's sitting in the yeah. driveway? Yeah, and, um, and effectively, instead of a, a static battery in your home, you've got a mobile it's battery. A mobile one, yeah. And we've, we've seen... And, you know, and they can run to your house off our vehicle, you know, two or three days. Wow. You know, if, you, if you're careful with the energy use. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've seen, unfortunately, with the natural disasters in Australia and, and the US and things with wildfires, when the power goes out, um, it's the people with electric vehicles and, and home batteries and solar who can who can keep going for a few days. Yeah, and then you bring that point up, it's really interesting because our partner in the States is closely involved with that. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, and what's happened, as you know, there were 24,000 houses burnt mm. with wildfires a few years ago, and it was started by the grid power yeah. lines coming down. And the insurance companies, of course, have said, no, 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 your premiums are going to go up. And if you don't if you don't turn off on hot windy days, we're not going to cover you. Mm. So now they have a special announcement over in the states where uh, they have warned that grid's going off today for so many hours, and there's a lot of not quite happy punters over there when they've got yep. their fridges getting warm. So yep. the even parked in the garage you're looking at as as a real solution. Yeah, and of course there's that the small minority of people who've been blaming renewables for those grid outages and not actually looking at the real reason for what was going on, unfortunately. <laughs> You've been doing your homework. Yeah, they're actually blaming. I think I spend too much time on Twitter. <laughs> might be. They're blaming the renewables as driving up power prices yeah. in the States, but it was insurance and the fact that the grids had to turn off. Yeah. That uh, prices are. 
but I think there's reality coming home now. Yeah. They really understand that an electric vehicle at home is effectively giving you all the energy security you need for your yeah. own dwelling. Yeah. And I think that's a salient point to make, whether it's the Department of Energy in the US or the energy regulator in Australia, the government here, they say that they know that renewables are cheaper. You know, it's there in writing, it's in numerous documents all over the government websites. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a matter of which side you take, whether you're pro renewables or not. That's just the cold hard facts, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the economic reality. The economic and, reality, you know, yeah. And, you know, if you're going to look after taxpayers, you don't want them spending money needlessly on uh, solutions that are more costly. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is the thing with electric vehicles as well, at, at all levels, um, whether it's government fleet procurement or whether it's, you know, small local councils or whatever, we're starting to see the data that EVs are saving, um, you know, taxpayers a lot of money in running costs and, and in longevity. True, yeah. True. So, so what, are we, what are we looking at in terms of the market launch timeline just generally? Can you give us some info on that? That's well. If, if all our uh, monetization and funding falls in place uh, later this year, uh, we're targeting uh, our first lady who reserved a vehicle in South Australia, mm. uh, being able to drive it uh, home on the 22nd of October next year. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, so that's, that's our target. Our um, actual vehicle to grid trial is uh, um, set to start around August next year. That'll be separate, um, totally separate from what we're doing. The factory will be being assembled and put together uh, throughout the year, and the other, the vehicles for vehicle grid trial will be assembled, similar to how we did in Brisbane. Sounds like you've got a lot on your plate at the moment. A uh, <laughs> little bit busy, but it's uh, it's a good busy. Yeah, and as you say, you know, you're not just a not just a vehicle manufacturer. You've got uh, so much happening in the energy space. It's really wonderful to see yeah, that. Well, yeah, energy management solution yeah. um, manufacturer. It's really wonderful to see that uh, from an Australian company. Yeah. yeah, I hope if there are any uh, VCs in the US uh, watching this, they can uh, throw some money your way. <laughs> well, anything, anything like that's appreciated. And we do know we're being watched around the globe with yeah. what we're doing because, yeah, we're in a different space. Um, we're not trying to be uh, a high-end vehicle. No. It's a, no. An affordable vehicle. None of our vehicles are over um, forty thousand. So uh, yeah. that's that's really wonderful to hear. Uh, and obviously, uh, if people start to see um, the commercial vehicles getting around, dropping off their parcels and things like that, that's going to tweak their interest into what uh, other products are on offer and what what the market is doing. Because part of it is just acceptance, isn't it? It's accepting the the change. It is, and you know, and, and the, the, what's being floated around all the time is range anxiety and mm. people that people are still on in the mindset you've got to go to a petrol station or a, a charging station to fill the vehicle whereas everything's at home uh, and the, the other thing is the um, cost well the cost now is is dropping quickly globally and uh, it's evidenced with the our vehicle costs and um, you know the effect the, that you need a charge point before you can have an EV well you don't and the UK uh, you know, ninety percent of people, well over eighty percent, but ninety percent charge at home. You know, we've got friends over there that in in our um, project, you know, Tesla, 
He said he's charged it once or twice at a charge point. The rest yeah. of the time, just yeah. quietly overnight That's and it. general trickle, which is better for the battery anyway. Well, exactly. And you know, a lot of people will go, oh, not everyone has a parking space or not everyone has, you know, off-street parking, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, we've seen, I think in the ACT, there's a lot of change towards strata and apartment buildings putting in charging points for, for their owners. Um, and I, I actually had a Tesla. I don't own an EV, but I had a Tesla for a week um, last month. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, played it in at five o'clock, um, and by seven yeah. a.m. the next morning, it had done sixty-five uh, percent back up to eighty-five percent charge. You know, so it's yeah. it's fine. You know, unless you're out of the house uh, every two or three hours, if you plug it in at night, it's fine. Yeah. And look, one of our associates in Victoria drove from Melbourne up to um, Harvey Bay. Yeah. In his yeah. Cost him twenty dollars. The yeah. only place he had to plug in for it was at one of the charge points here in the, the resort. Yeah. And use the charge points all the way up. He said, easy. He said, yeah, he drives around the okay, pull up, have a coffee. That's it. Car fill, and then you're off again. And I know the cost of supercharging has recently gone up uh, in Australia and, and around the world, but it's still, I think, about half the price to sixty percent of the cost of fueling uh, a car for a trip it's, like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, Greg, look, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for joining us on EV Brief. And we look forward to following uh, ACV uh, in the future. Thank you, Mr. I appreciate it. And you have a great day. And that's it for episode 28 of EV Brief in conversation with Greg McGarvey of Ace EV. I hope you enjoyed our chat today. Please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform and check out evbrief.com for all the latest EV news content. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. My name's Jonathan, and I'll see you next week.